What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian, and my new book, Gut Feelings. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, we actually have brand new telehealth patient options now open, and there's lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, we're giving away free signed books every single month, no matter when you listen to this episode. All you have to do for a chance to win is head on over to Apple Podcast and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself, or you can take a screenshot of that Apple Podcast review and message me with that screenshot on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And every single month, my team and I will be going through the Instagram messages as well as the Apple Podcast reviews themselves and randomly picking winners every single month. And then I'll reach out to you, ask which of the four books you want me to sign, and then I'll send it out to you. All right, good luck. Let's get to today's guest. His name is Sal Stefano. Sal started as a professional in the fitness industry as a trainer at the age of 18. His passion for fitness combined with his love of people quickly propelled him into a big box gym management by the time he was 19 years old. During his career in gym management, he grand opened some of the largest gyms in the Bay Area in California and was often recognized as a top performer in sales production and team leadership, earning him accolades from top industry leaders. After a decade of running his studio, he met Doug Eggy, the current producer of Mind Pump, and shortly after he met Adam Schaefer and Justin Andrews. They quickly hit it off due to their different backgrounds, but similar approaches to fitness and health, and they decided to start a fitness and health podcast. Mind Pump was launched and quickly became the number one fitness and health podcast in the world. 
Let's get right to it. This is Sal Stefano's Art of Being Well. Sal, my friend, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. We had a good time when you came on our show, so I'm, I'm happy to be on yours. Yes, I, I, I honestly, I do a lot of podcasts over the years, like 13 years of, of being in functional medicine, talking about this stuff. And I respect every single person that I'm on. I mean, I, it's oh, they're all great in their own ways, but not everybody's a great, what I feel is like a really great podcaster. And you guys are really good. And the conversation was very, I loved being on the podcast as the guest. What made you, is that a skill set you feel like you've always had? Or what's your secret to good podcasting? Because you guys are talented. That's, that's a, first off, what a great compliment, but okay. This is all hindsight, but you know, my co-hosts and I were all, uh, trainers and fitness coaches for over two decades. And through that process, if you last longer than five years and you can make a business out of it, you really have to figure out how to communicate effectively. You really do. That's the most important skill. I think a health or fitness coach can have because, you know, exercise technique and form and how to eat, you know, healthy from our perspective. You know, you need to know that that's kind of baseline, but now how do I connect with people? How do I get them to really change fundamental behaviors mm -hmm. so that this is a permanent thing, right? We're not interested in weight loss. I'm interested in keeping you fit and healthy forever. So lose the weight, but keep it off forever type of deal. So you develop those skills mm -hmm. through working with people for a long time. And then when we started the podcast, we had no media experience whatsoever and we were terrible, but what, what we learned through our own experience, you know, doing what we did before was if you want to get good at something, you just got to do a lot of it and be, and be sincere and humble and try and learn. Mm -hmm. And so right out the gates, we did five episodes a week. We could talk about fitness forever, but the real reason was let's do a lot of these and get as good as we can at this side of, uh, you know, of it, the, the media side. And so this is eight years later. So you're seeing me eight years and I don't know, to over 2000 episodes. So I hope I'm okay. <laughs> There's a lot of practice for sure. Over 2000 episodes, you're very early podcaster. What was it? I mean, eight years, not, I mean, now everybody has a podcast eight years ago, not everybody had a podcast. So yeah. what was, was there an inspiration for you personally that was like, yeah, I, I want to give my message in this way. Who was it for you? Well, what it, you know, really what it was, I had a wellness studio that I opened, God, I was 23, so 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. And the idea was to integrate different arms of health and wellness and fitness. And that really wasn't a thing back mm -hmm. then. So I wanted, you know, I'm the fitness guy, so I got that, but then I wanted uh, functional medicine in there. I wanted hormone, you know, testing. I wanted acupuncture in there. And so I did that and I did that for a while and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I learned a lot from all the people I worked with. So I had the pleasure of working with some really good practitioners in other aspects, uh, or other, you know, segments of the health space. Mm -hmm. And I just learned a lot from them. And I did that for a while. And, you know, when, one day a guy walked in, wanted to hire me, was recommended to me by a chiropractor we became good friends and he was, you know, he, in his words, he was blown away by the results and how I approach things. And it's Doug, it's Doug. He's our producer. And he said, you know, if you ever want to create something that you sell online, let me know because I have some online marketing experience. I didn't have anything at the time, um, but I thought about it and I ended up creating an online workout program. And part of 
trying to get that out there was I needed to build some online authority. So we thought of different ways to do so. I was known in my small area of the Bay area, but you know, podcasting is out all over the place. So I'm like, okay, how are we going to, how are we going to build this? Podcasting was an idea. I liked the long form Mm -hmm. side of it. Uh, I wanted to convey information. I didn't like how fitness, one thing I have in common with my co-host is we really, there were a lot of things we didn't like about the fitness industry. And one of them was how the fitness industry communicates and sells fitness. And it's very cosmetic body image, you know, focused. It's communicated by insecure people with eating, you know, disorders. And we hated that. And so I didn't want to do, I didn't want to use a form of media that fed into that, like Instagram, for example, or long form. I can have these discussions. So podcasting was on the table. Anyway, make a long story short. I met Adam and Justin separately and we all sat down in a room. And although all of us had different journeys in the fitness and health space, we all had come to the same conclusions and, uh, we all decided let's, let's do this together. Let's do a podcast and let's, let's try and do this the right way, communicate fitness the right way. Mm -hmm. And again, long form allows us to, again, when I train clients, you know, I didn't get anybody to make fundamental changes with a caption. It was an ongoing conversation and sometimes it took years. Mm -hmm. And so podcasting was just perfect for us. It wasn't very popular back then. Podcasting in general wasn't a lot of people didn't even know what a podcast was, but you know, we led with our purpose and this is what we want to do. We didn't monetize for a year because really we want to, we want to just provide as much value as possible. And the show just grew beyond what we we could expect. And so it became our business. We all left our businesses and, and did this full time, but wow. that was really it. It's like do what we did, you know, on our own with yeah. our clients, but do it on a more of a grand scale. And then simultaneously let's counter, let's see if we can counter this fitness machine, this, uh, you know, fat loss before and after beat yourself up, starve yourself. This supplement will solve your problems. I could go on and on, you know, industry mm-hmm. that we always battled with our clients. It was a constant challenge. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's see if we can do it the right way. And I think we're proving that you can. So yeah. that's, that's how it started. And you, I mean, you're the biggest fitness. I mean, is that fair to say? I mean, I, th- I think you're the biggest fitness podcast there is. I mean, how many yeah. downloads do you have at this point? I mean, five, oh, five God. billion. Uh, We've got to be approaching, what are we approaching? A hundred million downloads total or maybe a hundred million. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're getting anywhere between, you know, five to 10 million downloads a month. I'd say closer to 10 on a regular basis. We also have a YouTube channel now that where we film the podcast and that's been growing. So the reach is, is gotten pretty big. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it is wild. I mean, did you, I mean, probably had no idea that it would be the reach that it was today. At what point did you, were you like, wow, this. I guess you said you monetized. Was it a year in that you were like, yeah, this is a thing. This is beyond just a, a side yeah. gig. The first moment was three months or maybe, no, wait, let me think. It was like two months into launching the show. I was training some clients. My phone kept buzzing. Finally, I, I, I looked at it and I said, you know, okay, I better answer this. It was Adam, my co-host. And he goes, go on iTunes and check new and notable. And there we were in the new and notable section. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. This is crazy. And then, uh, I think it was about around the year mark, you know, we saw our downloads going up and up, but around the year mark, we kept getting DMS and emails from people who were like, where can I donate money? Where can I donate money? And that's when we said, okay, we should monetize. Now Mm -hmm. I think people are getting the value. Mm -hmm. They want to give us money. So let's give them a product or something. And I had that program that I had created. And that was the first thing that we sold. 
Got it. So you've had thousands of episodes and guests. Is there any besides me? I mean, any guests that (laughs) any guest that stands out as like, all right, after all these years, that was like, wow, that was an epic conversation. So many, Will, you were awesome. I'm not just saying that because I'm talking. You were, you were excellent. But there's so many of those moments. Like the first time I had that moment, and selfishly why I love doing this so much is, well, two reasons. Sitting down in a room, talking with growth-minded, self-aware men like my co-host, it just it forces us to grow. It's like therapy, right? Except it's work, so it's not really therapy, but it is. So we get to sit down and talk. So there's lots of growth. Then I get to interview really smart people. That's amazing. Then we get messages from listeners. That's another potential learning you know, lesson. And it, the first one was when I talked about, I don't remember what episode, it was an early episode, and I had made a passing comment about childbirth. And I said something along the lines of, you know, it was a number one cause of death for women for a long time. It's such a dangerous process. Western medicine, you know, has really saved a lot of lives doing this. Well, anyway, I had a midwife contact me and says, no, you've got it. You've actually got it backwards. She goes, uh, the Western medicine approach is causing a lot of problems. Uh, childbirth, natural childbirth is actually quite safe. And I, rather than being like, she's wrong. I said, wait a minute. What I know about Western medicine and how it approaches other things, they probably do approach childbirth. Like it's a medical emergency all the time. I looked deeper and it totally blew my mind on that. So that was the first time. Like I just like, holy cow. But I remember I've had um, Arthur Brooks, uh, just an exceptional human being. Loved having him on the show. Bishop, bishop Barron, he's a Catholic bishop, but the spiritual conversation and the value of you know spiritual practice that was huge. You know, we've had uh, Paul Check. He's like a he was wellness before wellness was even a thing, and he could be a little out there, but he's really fun to have conversations with. I mean, this guy was talking about leaky gut syndrome. Back when, uh, like that, that would, you know, people would have thought you were a quack, mm-hmm. you know, he was using physio balls, uh, for stability training in the 1980s. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that was a great conversation. That was fun. So there's been a, quite a few where some of them, a lot of them are not fitness related. So we have guests that can talk about other aspects of parenthood relationships, financial intelligence. Those are the ones I think we enjoy the most because fitness is bit, our space. Mm-hmm. So it's harder to kind of blow our minds in that, in that regard, but uh, those ones really stand out. Yeah. Well, I think the title of the podcast really says it all. It's mind pump. You pump for your mind. Really you're blowing. It's any space to really expand your mind. And I I love, I love it. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but like, was there an interview that stands out? That was the hardest, like most maybe awkward (laughs) interview, maybe not the person, maybe it was a bad day that they had, but any, uh, anything comes to mind. No, I mean, one comes up to mind real easily was uh, early on getting a known guest was a big deal. Somebody who had some kind of a presence. So we were super excited to have Dave Asprey on the show. So this was, you know, Bulletproof Coffee was exploding, all that stuff. And we couldn't get him in the studio. We couldn't travel to him because he was all over. But we got him, you know, Zoom or whatever. And we were excited because he was, he, he had a name. And it was terrible. It was terrible because it sounded like a recorded message. Like he went right into a spiel and then right into a spiel. And we'd ask him a question to try and have a real conversation right back into his like prepackaged, you know, mm. whatever. Uh, I remember after that, we were like, that sucked. <laughs> do that. <laughs> Can we redo yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's tough. You know, we're doing this remotely. I'm in telehealth, so I'm used to that. But there is something in person, right? I mean, do you find that to be the case? I love in person. We try to do in person as much as possible. 
there's just an energy that you get from meeting someone in person, plus the conversations you have before and after the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, where you have the opportunity to build a relationship. We get surprised all the time. We'll have a guest that we're like, okay, this will be good. And then we meet them. We're like, this person is exceptional and I want to get to know them and I want to do more stuff with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Lugavier is a good example of that. We're now really, really good friends. And I thought we were just going to talk about, you know, his book, uh, but it turned out like the guy is just, he's one of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. So we try to do in person as much as possible. Yeah, for sure. Did you know that hormones are the number one cause of skin, hair, and beauty issues? Or hormones, they're biochemical emails. They're sending messages all throughout the body and they're all under attack due to chronic stress and the upwards of 85,000 chemicals that we're exposed to on a daily basis, just living in a modern world. Using a brand that is backed by an integrated health approach and verified hormone disruptor free will help you feel and look your best and get your hormones back in balance. A brand that I love in this category is called Veracity. Veracity's mission is to give people the tools to achieve hormonal balance because your outer appearance is oftentimes a direct reflection of your inner atmosphere. It's a window into what's going on inside. Veracity's products creates a system for balanced hormones and radiant skin. They have an at-home test to know exactly what is really going on in your body. Get to the root cause of it. And they develop skincare that's specific to you to target and treat. And they have supplements to support and rebalance. They have something called the Blemish Calming Cleanser, which has a cult following. This gentle foaming cleanser is the first of its kind to address breakouts and inflammation without disrupting your hormones or compromising long-term skin health. Free of hormone disruptors like benzoyl peroxide and salicylic acid and made with soothing sulfur and willow bark extract. They also have the BioEvolve Serum which provides your skin the essential vitamins, nutrients, and UV and blue light protection you need for balanced skin. It utilizes clinically proven copper peptides, which I'm fascinated and so excited about the science about this. Look out for copper in skincare when it's clean like this, and this is the top of the line. The copper peptides in the BioEvolve Serum helps to protect against signs of aging instead of hormone-disrupting ingredients like retinol. They also have BioEvolve supplements like the BioEvolve multivitamin to support skin health from the inside out. They have a BioEvolve probiotic to support the gut skin axis and so many other products to support your skin from the outside in and the inside out. Visit veracityselfcare.com slash to get 20% off your first order when you use code Will Cole, that's V-E-R-A-C-I-T-Y selfcare.com forward slash Will Cole for 20% off your first purchase with code Will Cole. That's veracityselfcare.com forward slash Will Cole. Many people in social media, as well as telehealth patients, they ask me, what are some easy, quick, convenient snacks that I can have on the go, but also love me back and taste amazing? A brand that I love in this category that fits all of that criteria and more is IQ Bar. It's packed with plant protein, brain nutrients, fiber, and there's next to no sugar 
or net carbs in the bar, IQ Bar is great for your brain. It's formulated with six key nutrients shown to support cognitive energy, performance, and health. No more midday slump. IQ Bar is a delicious crash-free breakfast or afternoon snack that'll help you win your day. IQ Bar is also great for your body. It's packed with plant protein for strong muscles, energy, prebiotic fiber for a happy gut, and healthy fats for clean, crash-free energy as well. IQ Bar is holistic and natural. It's made with real food, not chemicals, loaded with plant protein, prebiotic fiber, healthy fats, and functional nutrients like lion's mane, which the science around lion's mane, which is in a medicinal mushroom that has adaptogenic qualities, I've just loved it for years from a brain-supporting standpoint. It's super diet-friendly with no weird ingredients, guys. Doesn't matter if you're keto, vegan, paleo, gluten. it's gluten-free, it's soy-free, it's GMO-free. IQ Bar is a perfect, delicious fit into your wellness routine. Now you can get 20% off all IQ Bar products, plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text ABW to 64000. Get your discount. You have to text ABW. It stands for Art of Being Well for those of you wondering what ABW. So you have to text ABW to 64000. That's ABW to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. Is there anyone you haven't had on the podcast that is like a dream guest? Yeah, been trying to get Jordan Peterson on the show for a while and just haven't been able to get the things connected. For me personally, he he's a great he would be a great guest because I learned a lot from how to communicate to an audience by watching him do his talks. Mm-hmm. Also, some of the stuff he talked about was profound uh, for some of us, and I just. I just find that I find him interesting. I find him very, very interesting. So I'd really like to get him on. We're still trying to get that to happen. He's agreed a couple of times, but then things get in the way type of deal. Yeah, I'm sure but, it will happen. I'm sure it would happen. Yeah. All right. I mean, do, do, for someone that's newer to podcasting, like everybody wants to be a podcaster now. Do you think that's a good thing or not? And B, for those that are really passionate about it, like you said, it took you you weren't great at it at start. So I think part of this is just time and consistency. Do you have any advice for people that are out there that are like, I, I'm not great at it. Like any, any good advice for podcasting? Yeah, I think uh, find the, the, the medium that works best with the way you communicate and your style. Mm-hmm. Podcasting is excellent if you really know your subject. If, you're, if you can be an expert on your subject mm-hmm. and you communicate it well because you can fake Instagram you can fake Twitter, you can kind of fake YouTube, but podcasting, you know, you do, you know, more than 10 one hour episodes and you're going to run out of stuff. If you don't know your, if you don't know what you're talking about, but if you know your stuff and it's your expertise and you can provide value and you like to use your words to communicate it, it's an excellent space from a business standpoint. It's one of the highest converting per you know, listener or per viewer space because of the impact that an hour long mm-hmm. podcast can have on someone. So from a business standpoint, you might not get as many eyes on you as you would on other mediums, but podcasting converts very high, mm-hmm. but it's not for everybody. Like I don't, like I said, I don't, you can't fake it. Like you got to know your stuff. Otherwise you're going to run out of content or they'll, they'll realize you're, you're not, you don't know your stuff after, you know, a couple months. Yeah, for sure. Something I was going to ask you, we, when I was on your show, we talked about the social media culture of 
selective outrage and keyboard warrior and everyone's offended about everything. Yeah. I'm assuming in thousands of episodes, did you get any like heat or pushback on social media with any controversial topics or guests? You know, it's not, not as much as you would think at all. The first, one of the first, I don't know, you can, I guess you could label it controversial episodes was episode, I want to say seven. And the title of it was uh, why mind pump doesn't CrossFit. So at the time CrossFit was exploding on the scene, it really had permeated the fitness industry, but as coaches and trainers, we saw terrible workout programming and an emphasis on beating yourself up. In fact, they're unofficial mascot at the time was a a clown throwing up. So we saw people get injured, beat themselves up, overtrain, hammer their hormones, just, and it was just the wrong, it was the wrong message. There's now CrossFit, you know, to be fair, had brought some great things into the fitness space, but there was a lot of bad stuff. So we did a whole episode at the peak of their popularity as to some of what we didn't like. Well, we got a message, or I should say an email from CrossFit which was great for us because we were nobody to see an email from the official CrossFit headquarters was like, Oh my God. And they were like, cease and desist. Don't talk about us anymore because you know, and and they're, they're known for being litigious at the time. You know, I mean, just, just the kind of people we are, we did a second episode uh, that went even deeper into why we don't (laughs) like us. But that was one of the more controversial things. Other than that, because we're not media people, what you hear is what you get. And I think that might be why, and we're very self-depreciating. We're very humble or honest, I should say, about our faults and how we messed up early on as trainers. And so, I don't know, maybe that's why, but we really don't get a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, very rarely do we get any messages or anything like or like that where, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, are we going to get canceled mm-hmm. or anything like that? It's very rare. Got it. That's a good segue. I mean, I've heard you talk about how the fitness industry is really, can be really a source of unhealthy I guess, inspo to people. What do you mean by that? What's the fitness industry doing wrong and making people unhealthy? Well, gosh, the fitness industry, now now consumers like this, so it's also consumer driven, but the fitness industry communicates fitness by selling the side effect. Okay, so what does that mean? The side effect of being healthy is you look healthy, but what they sell is the look. It's all about the look. And it's all about obsession with the body and being ripped to the extreme. And they sell products based on that. This will solve your issues. You want to lose 30 pounds, take this pill, do this radical diet, and you'll lose all the weight you want. Take these crazy supplements, you'll build all this muscle. Here's the before and afters. And it's just, it doesn't work. Not only does it not work, and by the way, what's my evidence? We haven't done it. We haven't helped. We haven't helped. Uh, So that's part of it. The other part of it is because of the side effect of fitness that people love, which is looking fit. This is how people sell their authority. Look how ripped I am. Look how beautiful I am. The truth is a lot of these fitness influencers and people communicating fitness have severe dysfunctional relationships with diet and exercise. It comes from a lot of insecurity. Most of us who get into fitness come from that place, myself included. And they are communicating to themselves. And so what you get are fitness fanatics, not in the good way, telling everyday average people what worked for them. Oh, here's what you know, food is fuel. Just put it in your mouth or just exercise or beast mode. Like you're telling that to the average person who's like, look, fitness isn't my life, but I wanted to improve my life. Mm -hmm. Not only is it not going to work, 
uh, or maybe they try and then it doesn't work for them, but it actually can cause lots of problems. You start to, you start to teach people how to have dysfunctional relationships with exercise and diet. Like, uh, you know, a good example would be the IIFYM movement that came out of the bodybuilding space. So if it fits your macros, then it's okay. So this was all about like, here's your calorie targets. Here's your proteins, fats, and carbs targets. If it fits that, you're good. doesn't mm -hmm. matter what goes in there. It'd be garbage, Pop-Tarts, candy, so long as it fits your macros. Now, for a body-obsessed person with a dysfunctional relationship with, with diet who just wants to look good, yeah, this works fine because they're just follow the numbers, do it this way. Mm -hmm. Average person, this is a terrible message because not only do macros and calories count, but why you eat the food counts and the types of foods that you eat can influence how you feel. Mm -hmm. They can influence your appetite. They can influence your mood. It's a lot deeper than just that. So, you know, that's just kind of one example. The workout messages, you know, that you need to beat yourself up. You need to work out like crazy. This is what's going to get results. Glorifying the self-punishment side mm -hmm. of fitness. Making people feel or encouraging the cathartic effect somebody gets from going to the gym and, and almost passing out. You know, this is a person who maybe went to the gym because they hate their body, right? So it's cathartic to... Feel like I'm going to throw up and go, Oh my God, that was a great workout. Why did you say that? Well, I barely could walk the next day. Like as a trainer, who's trained thousands of people, that's not how you're supposed to feel. That's mm -hmm. terrible. And that's going to lead to you stopping at some point. It's not a long-term approach. Mm -hmm. So they get a lot wrong. And I would say with, I could say with all confidence, at least 90% of the information you're going to get out there in popular fitness media is terrible. Mm. 90%. Wow. In fact, rarely do I read something and go, this is good. It's usually, oh, this is terrible. And, you know, back in the day, it was the magazines, right? That kind of maybe pushed it. Now it's so enhanced. And it's not just the people that buy the magazines. It's everywhere on social media. And, you know, I, I think you and I are both, I think people should have freedom of speech. And I, I, I love decentralization of information and they can look at whatever they want, but like what's for the consumer out there that is seeing this image that's kind of feeding into insecurities. I mean, any advice, I mean, what's the end game, I guess, with the fitness industry, it seems like social media only enhanced the problem that was there before. Well, here's some red flags is their primary method of building authority. So building authority is a business term for, Hey, look, I know what I'm talking about. Okay is their primary form of building authority showing their body. That's a big red flag. Somebody who says, look how awesome I look. Therefore, I know what I'm doing. They, uh, that's like a big red flag, number one. Number two, when they answer questions, if you ever see them answering questions on social media, if the answer isn't often, well, that depends. If you don't hear that a lot, <laughs> then that's a big red flag. Like, you know, as well as I do, mm -hmm. I could say to you, hey, uh, you know, Dr. Will, what, what should I do if I get lots of bloating? If you're not going to just be like, do this, that, and the other. Well, well that depends. We got to find out the root cause of what's going on. I need to ask you more questions. So somebody says to me, what's the best form of cardio? You know, how should I work out? How should I, how can I develop, you know, bigger shoulders or sculpted, you know, core, or how should I eat if I want to get lean? Like mm -hmm. the answer is <laughs> it's almost always going to be that depends. Yeah. And I need uh, more information. So that, that would be another red flag. Another red flag is are they glorifying the hype and motivation uh, side of fitness? You know, motivation is great. Everybody loves feeling motivated, but it's a feeling, okay? It's a feeling, and you're not always going to be motivated. I've never met a client who had trouble staying consistent when they were motivated. 
It was when they were not. So if it's, if it's all about motivation, you know, that person has never really worked with everyday people and figured out how to solve this. Mm -hmm. It's all about, let me capture you when you're in the state of hating yourself, or let me capture you when you're, you, you know, you reach that point where like, I'm going to get in shape. Well, now let me grab onto you and hype you up and tell you all this other stuff to do. Somebody who really knows what they're doing. will talk more about behaviors and discipline and nuance to the, to the, to the way they communicate. Mm -hmm. That's how you'll kind of know. And then lastly, medical or should I say formal education is great, but so is lots of experience working with lots of people. Mm -hmm. You want both. The clinical study-based advice is only good if you know how it works with everyday people. Mm -hmm. And you, you have to have both of those. The formal education, three letters after my name side, if they've never worked with everyday people, they're going to have a tough time really helping people in, in fundamental ways. It becomes very much about, well, the data shows this, studies show this. And I can tell you as a trainer, as a coach, I'll, I'll give you a simple example. This is silly, but it's very clear cut. Someone says, what's the best rep range to build muscle? Well, studies show eight to 12 reps is the best range to build muscle. That's not, that's not always true. That is true when you take a bunch of people, you train them for 90 days, you have one group trained one to five reps, one group trained eight to 12 reps, one group trained 20 to 25 reps. However, I know as a trainer, as a coach, and any strength coach will tell you this, your body adapts very quickly to what you do. And eventually eight to 12 becomes the worst rep range for you. And that's why you need to train in the one to five or the 20 to 25. So if I didn't have that experience, mm -hmm. my answer would be eight to 12. Well, if you're, if you're listening to me and you've been doing eight to 12 for the last two years, uh, that's not the best rep range for you. So you want to have that experience. You want, you want to, you want to listen to people who've worked with everyday people, not somebody who, you know, I, I mean, this might sound a little, you know, mean or whatever, but, uh, media personalities who didn't do what they say, you know, if you're listening to a fitness influencer through media, but they didn't spend the previous 10 years actually working with people every day, mm -hmm. I don't want to listen to you. You know, if you're, you're giving me nutrition advice, but the way you started was, you know, a new, a page on Instagram and you didn't work with like everyday people for 10 years. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to listen to you. Yeah. And you can tell, and I'm sure you can too, when you talk to somebody mm -hmm. like, okay, you're just yeah. a media person or you've actually worked with people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Those are the amazing tips. I've never heard it codified like that of just things for people to look out for in social media and vet the pages they follow, right? Science, art, experience, nuance, yeah. context. These are important things that not everybody gets. If you've listened to The Art of Being Well for any amount of time, you know I'm an athletic greens super fan. I've taken it myself for years. I recommend it to our telehealth patients. AG1, if you haven't heard about it, it is freaking amazing. With just one scoop, you can get all the nutrients, gut health, energy support, brain support, so many things. It supports your whole body to thrive and covers your nutritional bases. My day job, you know, I look at labs for a living. I see nutritional deficiencies a lot. And with Athletic Greens, it's something convenient you can do once a day to help support filling in the gaps for the most common nutrient deficiencies. It's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, adaptogens, gut support that delivers benefits like mood, immune system, sleep support, digestive support, sustained energy throughout the day, and so much more. 
I love that my AG1 is delivered to my house monthly, so I don't have to think about it. I also, pro tip, use their travel packs all the time. When I'm traveling for work, I'll throw a few, like I'll count how many days I'm gone, and I'll put that amount of the AG1 travel packs in my carry-on, so I have my AG1 on the go, no excuses. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D. That's another very common nutrient deficiency. They're going to give you a whole free year of vitamin D, which supports your immune system, your energy levels, your mood. And also, they're going to give you five free travel packs of Athletic Greens, ones that I use when I travel, with your first purchase. So go to athleticgreens.com slash Cole. That's athleticgreens.com slash Cole. Check it out. Have you heard about Factor yet? My gosh, my patients love Factor. I love Factor. During the prime spring season, and honestly, anytime, we need wholesome, convenient meals to energize you for warmer, more active days and keep you on track reaching your health goals. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. There's no excuses. You'll save time, eat well, eat foods that love you back, and tackle everything on your to-do list because you're going to have the energy to do so because you're fueling your body, but also it's so quick and convenient, you don't have to live in the kitchen to eat healthy. If you're too busy to cook this month with Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up the warmer weather. If you need an extra boost of energy to support your wellness goals this spring, try their Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Most people are not getting enough complete protein throughout the day, and that's one of the top reasons that I see clinically for people struggling with losing weight, struggling with brain fog, fatigue, so many different things. You need to optimize your protein and they're giving you something very easy to take all the guesswork out of it and it tastes freaking delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash willcole50 and use code willcole50. That's W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E-5-0 Will Cole 50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code Will Cole 50 at factormeals.com slash Will Cole 50. Factormeals.com slash Will Cole 50 to get 50% off your first box. Check it out. You talked about people getting into fitness because of insecurity and of the way that the image and the way that things look. A few months ago, a while ago, it was the the controversy around the the liver king and all of that. What's your take on that? I mean, I heard of it peripherally. I didn't know much about it. Was it much to do about nothing? Was it a big deal? What What's your hot take on it? God, that annoyed me so much, you know, because he blew up on social media and people would ask us, are you going to have the liver king on the show? No, he's a caricature of everything that's wrong with the fitness industry. Like there's nothing, there's nothing he says that is going to value that's going to provide real value to people who are really struggling with staying consistent with fitness or trying to improve their health. So we were, it was just a big, for us, it was like, yeah, that's a, that's entertainment. There's, it's terrible. And it became this big, you know, gossip thing. And 
the whole thing was, does he look the way he does because he takes steroids? Like, that doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if he does or doesn't. Let's look at his information. Oh, it's terrible. Okay, that's what matters. Let's not listen to this guy. So, you know, I really don't like, I don't want to say hate because I don't know these people, but I, I don't like how popular, and I know it's consumer driven. I get it. Uh, but I don't like how popular some of these people can get because I know there's a lot of people that are being misled. There's a lot of people that are taking this advice, trying to apply it. You know what happens, which is really frustrating, is people, because you talk to people who are, are trying to improve their health and their fitness, and oftentimes it's not their first time. It's their second, third, fourth time, and they failed each time. You know what eventually happens? They give up. Mm-hmm. They stop trying, and you know, what they, you know what they say? This is not for me, or it's my genetics, mm-hmm. or this will never happen for me. And that's terrible because moving appropriately and eating appropriately in a healthy way is for everybody. There isn't a single thing you can do that will improve every aspect of your life, like getting healthier. There's almost nothing that'll do that for everything. Like think about anything you do, any experience you have, being a parent, being a partner, going to work, driving in your car. Like, I don't care what it is. If you were healthier it would be a better experience. Mm-hmm. And yet we've done such a terrible job in my space that you get people who say, that's not for me. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I'm not going to try anymore. Mm-hmm. So it really makes me frustrated because, uh, I know that's how, every time someone comes out like that, it's like, there's X amount more people now that are going to reach that point where they're going to say, this is, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. I something that we haven't talked a lot about on the podcast. I'd love to get your perspective on is the connection between muscle building muscle and longevity and, and health overall. Cause we're talking so much about it's I mean, even our culture. Like we keep saying it's about image and the way that people look in clothes or sexy, whatever, but this is really, why should people care from a health longevity standpoint when it comes to building muscle? It's a, that's a great question. So first we need to paint the context and then we can talk about why muscle is more important now than ever. Okay. So let's look at the context of modern life. Modern life, and we can't get away from this. So I hate it when people try to communicate fitness and pretend like uh, like they, people can just change everything about modern life and it's going to be great. We have to work within the context of, of reality and modern life and what's going to work for people on a consistent forever basis. So what's that look like? Well, modern life is sedentary, okay, period. Even if you work out in every, an hour every day, you're sedentary. If you look at your activity you get a spike of activity with that hour workout and the rest of the day, everybody sits down all day long. So we're, so we don't move. So we gotta, we gotta figure out how to protect against that. We, uh, food is very convenient, very inexpensive and hyper palatable. So you're surrounded by easy to have tasty, inexpensive food. So that's another thing we need to kind of wrestle with. We're also busy. So it's not, yeah, we're sedentary, but we're also busier than ever before. So when you look at like, you talk to people about like when I was a kid, we went out and played with kids and had fun. Now you have to like schedule play dates, everything's scheduled, right? So we're also uh, very, very busy. So those three things are, are, are very important to consider. So let's talk about those first. Let's talk about the first one, which is we're sedentary. Some of the, the challenges with being sedentary, uh, one of the big challenges is uh, you start to develop insensitivity to insulin, or you start to lose the ability to really use insulin effectively. And, you know, over time, this can turn into a lot of problems. So you see, you hear people talk about obviously diabetes being down the road, but way before that, it's really not good for the body, for your body to not 
uh, be able to utilize glucose and sugars and, and for your body to lose its sensitivity to insulin. Okay. Now one way to remain insulin sensitive all the time is to be moving all the time. Okay. I got to constantly be moving because as I'm moving, muscles are contracting and I'm, my, my body's utilizing insulin very well, but we're sedentary most of the time. So unless you're scheduling tons of activity all day long, and again, we got to be realistic, like, will you be able to maintain that? Mm -hmm. Then what's, what else can we do? Well, one of the best ways to improve insulin sensitivity is to build muscle. Muscle is a very insulin sensitive tissue. It also happens to be one of the places that we store excess glucose, right? The liver mm -hmm. being the main one and the muscles are the other one. So just adding a little bit of muscle greatly improves uh, my insulin sensitivity. And they, they show this with studies. Uh, you know, they've had studies on, on severely obese people. They don't have them lose any weight. They just have them build a little bit of muscle. When I say a little bit, I mean like two pounds of muscle. And we see significant improvements in insulin sensitivity. The, the continual glucose monitor studies now show that as well. Like you build muscle and you will trend better pretty consistently with your insulin sensitivity. So it protects you quite well. Muscle also, when you build it, not condition it, because you can have conditioned muscles that don't build. You see this with long distance runners. So their muscles got great stamina, but they don't build a lot of muscle because the type of physical activity they're doing doesn't require bigger, stronger muscles. But let's say you build bigger, stronger muscles. They don't go away very quickly in comparison to other forms of fitness. So if I build some muscle and then I sit around all day long and let's say, let's say I lift weights once a week. Okay. Even though I don't work out six days a week, the muscle and strength I'll gain with that one day a week sticks around. We also build uh, what's called muscle memory. This is a real thing. Very well documented. If you build a little bit of muscle and lose it, you build it back the second time around very quickly. So it really is protective uh, uh, when you talk about being quite sedentary. Mm -hmm. Now, the second part, and this is, this is actually one of the more important parts, is this crazy availability of food. It's just everywhere and it's hyper palatable. This also goes back to the sedentary thing, right? There's a lot of food and we're not moving much. So how do we, what do we do here? Do I just try to move all day long? That's got a limit to it. It's inconvenient, probably unsustainable. And also your body adapts to the calories you burn when you burn them manually. Your body's actually quite efficient at this. This, there's a study that I quote, uh, in my book, uh, on the, on a modern hunter gatherer tribe known as the Hadza. They actually went down and studied the Hadza tribe and they lived the way that humans lived, you know, thousands of years ago. And they, with some pretty sophisticated testing, tested their metabolic rates. How many calories are they burning every single day? And it wasn't, it was almost roughly the same amount as the average couch, uh, couch potato, <laughs> uh, you know, Western couch potato. And you think, how's that, how's that even possible? They're hunting, gathering, there's no electronics. Well, the body adapts. And it makes sense. You're not going to find 10,000 calories of food in the wilderness. So your body at first burns a lot of calories, but then it learns how to become efficient, like a hyper-efficient car, mm -hmm. right? So trying to keep burning more calories through activity, your body adapts and eventually it doesn't burn tons of calories through that because it learns how to become efficient. And there's, there's a whole host of theories as to why we don't need to get in the weeds, but we know this happens for a fact. Well, building muscle is different. Building muscle means I have a faster metabolism all the time. There, it puts more of a requirement on my body to maintain uh, its to maintain itself, mm -hmm. and so building muscle is like I mean it's it's like why not burn more calories all the time versus me having to move more all the mm -hmm. time. By the way, this is why if you've ever had an arm or leg in a cast, 
and you take off that cast, why that muscle's gone. You ever do that where you take it off and you're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, where do my quads go? <laughs> like my, it's your body gets rid of muscle if it doesn't think it needs it and it builds it if it think it, if it only thinks it needs it. And that's because it's, it's so expensive calorically. Like it costs energy to have muscle. Your muscle's always trying, your body's always trying to be efficient with calories, but sending a signal to your body, we need this muscle means you'll have more, which means you'll have a faster metabolism. Mm-hmm. Why is that a good thing? Well, 10,000 years ago, fast metabolism was a terrible thing, but today it's an asset. <laughs> like if I could snap my fingers and make everybody listening to this burn, you know, a thousand more calories a day, just on their own, we would solve obesity for everybody who's listening. Right. So it gives you that, that faster metabolism. There's also the fact that we're busy. So why don't we pick a form of exercise that gives me way more bang for my buck in terms of those kind of results? Well, the beauty of building muscle, which is primarily done through strength training, the beauty of that is I don't need to do it very often at all. Like you could build significant strength and muscle with a couple days a week. This doesn't necessarily work for things like stamina or flexibility, endurance. You know, you got to do a lot of that. But when it comes to building muscle, two days a week, and I can really give myself pretty great results. And it's got to be done appropriate. So people are like, do I need to beat myself up? Well, only if you're advanced. At first, it doesn't take much at all. Uh, But that makes it also something that's sustainable. Mm -hmm. And look, you know, I'll say this all day long. I've trained a lot of people over a long, long periods of time. And I hate to break this to the fitness crowd out there, but the most we're we're probably going to ever get out of the average person in modern life, the most we're ever going to probably get is about two or three days a week consistently of exercise. Maybe some increased activity through changed behaviors throughout the day, like, you know, walking 10 minutes after meals or taking the stairs, you know, instead of the elevator type of stuff. But you're not going to get the average person on a consistent forever basis to go to the gym more than two or three days a week. It's not going to happen. So we need to start communicating the most effective form given that context. So building muscle and strength training is just tremendously valuable. It's so valuable, in fact, that more evidence to prove this. One of the best single metrics that we can use to to predict all-cause mortality is a grip strength test. Mm. A simple grip strength test is actually better than most metrics to predict all-cause mortality. There's nothing magical about the strength of the hand. It's just a good proxy for overall body strength. Yeah. But you you can predict with greater accuracy with that single metric than you can with like a single lipid test or a single whatever. Just from that. Yeah. So much very important. I love that. Great, great tips. So you're telling the people I'm thinking of the listener out here, they want to know the minimum effort. They want something sustainable. They want to bite off more than they can chew. A few days a week, how long does the person need to work out? I know it depends in context, but to yeah. see some changes, what's what's your recommendations? It needs to be appropriate. Okay. So think of it this way. The exercise portion, the reason why it benefits you is because it's a stress on the body. The body recognizes the stress. It heals from the stress. Okay. And then it adapts so that the same insult uh, doesn't create the same stress next time. That's why you get stronger. So I do five pushups and that stressed out my body. My body heals from the, the, the damage that that stress caused. Then it adapts and it makes me stronger. So that five pushups no longer causes damage. And then what do I do? I do six next time, right? I get stronger. So it's adaptations. So you want to give yourself the right dose of stimulus for your body 
that will provide uh, enough of a stress to cause changes, but not so much that you can't adapt. Otherwise, your body's just healing. Okay. So to, to paint the context better, the skin darkening uh, in reaction to the sun is a, an adaptation response, right? UV rays hit the, the, the skin, skin gets a little bit of damage, and it darkens to be able to withstand the same insult next time. Well, if you're lived in your mom's basement for 10 years, never saw the sun, how much sunlight would it take to cause your skin to adapt a little bit, right? Not much, like two minutes. What happens if you go past that? You get a sunburn. You don't get more tan. You just get a burn, right? So the dose needs to be appropriate. So to answer that question really depends who I'm talking to. Yeah. I know that's not very helpful, but let me give you some, some tips to help someone uh, kind of figure that out for themselves. Well, here's number one. You should feel better and more energized at the end of your workout than you did in the beginning. Okay. You should not feel like you just went through battle. <laughs> you shouldn't feel like this was like, you should not feel like you survived your workout. Yeah. You should finish your workout and feel invigorated and good. That's a good sign. Uh, number two, soreness is a terrible indicator of workout effectiveness, but soreness can tell us quite a bit about whether or not you overdid it. A little bit of soreness, perfectly fine. Soreness where you're like, I can barely move or walk, or this is lasting for two days or more, probably too much. So those two things right there, I help, I think will direct most people in the right way. And yeah. then I'll add a third yeah. thing, which is this, especially in regards to strength training. And I'll, I'll tell you a story first to kind of tell you where I, you know, how I, I got to the point where I could communicate this. I remember years ago, I was up in the foothills here in Northern California and I was hiking and every once in a while, a runner would pass me by. And, you know, as a, as a, as a trainer, it's, it's really hard for me to not notice biomechanics and stuff. So I'm like, oh my God, their feet are pronating. That's going to hurt their <laughs> knee. And oh, that person's anterior pelvic tilt's really strong. It's going to hurt the lower back. Right. And there was just every runner going by, I just kept seeing stuff. And then this one person ran by and it was like beautiful. It was like a gazelle just <laughs> gliding. And I, and I thought to myself, and I said, you know, evolutionary scientists talk about how humans are actually really great at running. Like we're, we're we evolved to out-trek almost any animal. This is how hunter-gatherers will hunt. They'll wound an animal and they'll run after it until it gets tired. Like, but why do so many people run terribly? Like, oh, you know what? It's a skill. It's a skill that we forget when we stop running at 10 and we try and pick it up again at the age of 27. And we don't go out and think to ourselves, I'm going to get better at the skill. We just think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run until I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And that's why we see a lot of these issues. Well, with strength training, it's very similar. If you go to the gym and you do strength training with the intent of hammering your legs and your shoulders and your back, you're not going to get as great results as if you go there and, and, and think of it as a skill. I'm going to go perfect the skill of squatting. I'm going to go and perfect the skill of the overhead press or of the row. If you treat it like that and you perfect the skill, your form is going to be good. You're going to be more likely to train with the appropriate intensity. And if you add the first two things that I said, you're going to be on the right track and you'll be able to find that. And then again, just to hammer this home, there's a right dose, which is somewhere in the middle for everybody. Too little does nothing. Too much also is going to get you going backwards. In the middle is the right amount. Mm -hmm. By the way, on the way from perfect to too much is also something called the max I can tolerate. And a lot of people push themselves to the point that to the max they can tolerate, but they meet, they miss, they overshoot the perfect amount. So it's not the most you can do because you can survive a lot more than what is necessary or ideal. It's the perfect amount. And the perfect amount feels good, feel invigorated. I maybe get a little sore, but not too much. I'm improving. I see myself improving on a regular basis. 
Uh, I got better sleep. I can just feel better. That's, that's, that's what the right dose looks like. Golden tip, Sal. Thank you. Two, two thoughts came to mind. Cardio, you mentioned the energy expenditure of building muscle. You're burning more calories. People that are like, they just live for the cardio and they think uh, uh, that's, that's their in, like that's their thing. Yeah. Do you feel like cardio has a place, traditional cardio, like running, treadmills, elliptical, bikes, or should we be mainly focused on uh, weight training if we're limited on time? If you only have to pick one form of exercise, and if you're not like super in love with another form of exercise, because I'll always say that the one, the one that you really love, let's do that because that's the one you're most likely to do. Mm -hmm. But if you're someone indifferent and you're like, look, I just want to be fit and healthy and I only can pick one because I don't have unlimited time and I don't want to devote tons of time, then go strength training. But I, I do want to say this, all forms of exercise done appropriately have value. Mm -hmm. Okay. All of them do. That being said, cardio is easily the most abused form of exercise. Easily. Too much cardio sends a signal to the body that says we need to become more efficient and so therefore pair muscle down. Okay. Now, um, and I love that I'm talking to you because I, I know you've seen this and this can happen with any form of exercise, but you'll see this with the over, over use or abuse of cardio quite a bit. If I'm abusing cardio and I'm burning tons of calories manually, my body and my body's like, okay, we need to become more efficient. We don't need a lot of strength because you're, you don't need a lot of strength to do long distance you know, steady state type cardio, your body will pair muscle down because pairing muscle down means I burn less calories and now I'm a more efficient cardio machine. This is where it gets really interesting. The hormones associated with building or pairing muscle down. Let's talk about those for a second. If I tell my body to lose muscle, which you see all the time, if you cut your calories and you do lots of cardio and you lose 10 pounds, you can pretty much guarantee that four to five of that is going to be muscle okay, as your body tries to adapt. Okay. When my body's trying to pair muscle down, it's also the way that it does this. Part of the way that it does this is it organizes its hormones to do this, to do, to do this. What does that look like? Higher cortisol, testosterone going down, mm -hmm. imbalances with estrogen and progesterone, down regulation of androgen receptors. If I tell my body to build muscle and I feed it appropriately, my body will organize its hormones in a way to do so. Pro muscle building hormone profile is the kind of hormone profile that people are constantly seeking. It's the youthful hormone profile, higher testosterone, better androgen receptor density, growth hormone goes up. Cortisol is appropriate. High in the morning drops down in the evening, appropriately responds to stress. Estrogen, estrogen or progesterone become quite balanced. So the process of building muscle through strength training, through feeding yourself properly and doing it right you will influence your hormones positively better with that form of exercise and other forms. Mm -hmm. Now, all forms of exercise, if you abuse them, it'll, it'll, it'll cause some havoc mm -hmm. with your hormones. But if you do all of them appropriately, the one that is most likely to have the most positive effects on your hormone profiles, again, I'm speaking generally here, is strength training. Mm -hmm. Strength training really does that. It really tells the hormones to organize themselves in that way. And working with lots of functional medicine practitioners in the past with my clients, uh, strength training. Now, of course there's, 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 you know, if someone's overstressed and, you know, then we'll do things like yoga and mindful meditation and, but all things being equal, man, doing appropriate strength training and seeing them get stronger. Like every time we would see positive improvements in hormones when that would happen. Got it. Love it. So, uh, supplements do there, do you recommend any supplements for building muscle or is it not needed? Should we just focus on food? I'm thinking like creatine, 
central amino acids, any other ones? Like, what are your favorite ones, if any? Yeah, amino acids are only useful if your protein intake is not high. Okay, so if you're outside of what, what, what the studies show to be um, the, 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 the upper limit of where you're going to get benefit, which is about 0.6 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight in, in you know, normal weight individuals, if you're below that, adding branched amino acids can help or essential amino acids. Can help. If you're eating a high-protein diet, it's a waste of time. It's like uh, you know, you're throwing more amino acids at yourself. Your body's not going to utilize them anymore. Mm-hmm because you've got, or, or, or getting any benefit, I should say, because you're already consuming so many amino acids from protein. I do want to say this, you should always seek to do all of this with whole natural food. Nothing is going to ever replace that. There's things that can help, but nothing will ever replace that. The, so amino acids, I like to give those to people who just eat a low protein diet because it's hard for them to eat protein, or let's say they're vegan and they just, you know, this is, this is the most I'm going to eat and they don't want to supplement with protein powders or whatever, then we'll throw some amino acids and see some benefit, but otherwise, uh, waste the money, uh, vitamins and minerals can be extremely valuable if needed. Otherwise waste of time. If you have a nutrient deficiency, they could be a, a life changer. Like if your magnesium is low and you supplement with it, you're going to see great changes. If your B vitamins are low and you supplement great changes. If your nutrient levels are great, waste of money. Creatine. Creatine is the one supplement that I'll say that, you know, unless it causes gut issues, in, in some cases, you'll see some people have some issues with, with creatine, not often, but sometimes. Creatine is the one thing that is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. You're looking at, now it's marketed as a muscle building supplement, and it does help build strength and muscle. It really, it's, it's a wellness supplement. Mm-hmm. It supplies your mitochondria with more energy. And that benefits everything benefits your cognitive function, benefits your immune system, uh, strength, recovery, stamina. It's good for the heart. So creatine is one of those supplements that, you know, and it's, by the way, it's also one of the most studied supplements out there. There's thousands and thousands of, of, uh, of studies on creatine. So creatine I'll recommend, you know, to most people, but everything else is a, as needed basis, mm-hmm. you know, protein powder, amino acids, that kind of, like only if it's needed. Mm-hmm you know, vitamins, minerals, only if it's needed fish oil, only if it's needed, you know, get all that through whole natural foods, creatine. It's going to be really hard to hit those upper limits of what we're talking about through food. You'd have to eat pounds of, uh, of, of meat. Uh, so creatine is one of the only ones I see benefit for, for most people. Got it. I was going to ask you about a, a dosage of creatine. Sorry. What is there a specific dose that people need to be mindful of? Some people are like afraid of maybe kidney stress, or is, is it something we shouldn't be worried about? Yeah, you know, unless you unless you've been told by your nephrologist or you have uh, uh, dysfunction, in which case you need to be careful with almost anything you put in right, your body. Right. No, they've done study after study after study on the kidneys and creatine, and no, it's it's perfectly fine. Studies will show between five to ten grams a day. I would say probably more like three to ten grams a day. The higher amount for people who eat less meat, the lower amount for people who eat more meat, because that's the primary source of creatine uh, that we'll get. Cognitive benefits seem to be with the higher amounts. So Got it. Uh, closer to 10 grand is you, you start to see some cognitive benefits. Got it. You mentioned protein powder as needed. That's a very common question that we get is what protein powder? Uh, people want to know what you recommend. What pro, What's your favorite protein powder if someone's looking for an option out there? The number one thing you should look at when finding a protein powder is which one do I digest the best? Which one? feels the best when I take it because, uh, I could tell you 
what the best protein powder is, but what ends up happening is people will take it and they'll get gassy mm-hmm. or constipated and they'll think, oh, it's just because I'm on a high protein diet. Like, no, you should not be clearing the room uh, <laughs> because of your, your, you know, because of flatulence every 10 minutes. It, it, that's not a sign that you're taking good amounts of protein. That means that you're probably not, your body's not working well with that protein mm-hmm. uh, that you're taking. So number one, which one is the easiest for you to digest? Which one feels the best? Number two, if you're eating a high protein diet, the type of protein powder you take really doesn't matter. So studies will show on a gram per gram basis, whey protein is superior to collagen protein or, you know, uh, or egg protein is better than, you know, plant protein. If your protein is high, like I said earlier, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. Now, if your protein is low and you can digest protein, the proteins well, so that, that we got that into consideration, then whey protein seems to be the best one. So it just seems to have the best bioavailability. Mm-hmm. It seems to convey the best health, you know, for gut health, immune health, muscle strength and function. But again, if your protein intake is high, it doesn't matter. Just, just pick the one that you feel the best with. I am very partial to natural proteins without artificial sweeteners and lots of stuff in them. I like my protein powder to be as bare bones as possible. So I'm, I, I go with unflavored. Most people don't like that. I get it. But I like like you know bone broth nothing else in it protein or whey nothing else in it protein that's that's my personal opinion is there any brand that you think's doing some good things there as far as purity and simple ingredients you know uh plant protein we work with a company called organifi they're pretty they have pretty high standards they were one of the first companies to test uh for glyphosate residues in their protein and for heavy metals and there was a while ago, a report that came out on organic plant proteins and the heavy metal content in some of them was insane. Mm-hmm. Organifi was way ahead of that. So I like them for plant protein. For whey protein, Legion is really good. Uh, so is Paleo Valley. And then Paleo Valley has a really good bone broth, mm-hmm. you know, high collagen protein that I, I really enjoy. Awesome. As you know, the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. This is at the end of every episode, we have Your Art of Being Well. First question is what's the worst tasting? healthy food that you still eat because you know the science behind it, but it still tastes freaking disgusting. (laughs) I love this question. You know why I like this question so much? Well, because people place so much value on the taste of a food that they don't realize that they could change their relationship with the food to the point where they'll actually enjoy eating something that doesn't taste good. True. So like, uh, sardines with the skin on them. Okay. I don't eat it for the taste. I eat it for the benefits. I notice the benefits. It feels good. So I actually don't hate eating them, even though if I sat there and thought to myself, like I said, this doesn't taste good, but full, full skin bone, the whole deal sardine. That's probably the one that I'll consume most regularly that if, if I were to say, yeah, this doesn't taste good. It would be that. I love it. Great answer. Is that what, what is there a brand that you love sardines? Ooh, uh, wow. Gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Earth something. Wild planet. There you go. Wild planet. Wild planet. Yeah, that, that's the ones that I get too. Yeah, yeah. Same yeah, thing. Yeah. But, it's, it's, but I've developed a good relationship with them because it's good for my digestion. My joints feel good on it. It just, it's just, I feel really good. Yeah. So the first, you know, I don't know, 50 times I ate them, I was like, okay. <laughs> and now I just, you know, it's not a problem, but it's because I have a, rela- a good relationship with it. And like you said, a, a mega fish oil isn't needed if you're having those on a regular basis. No, I mean, one can of those. We got to take like 10 omegas to, to equal that. Yeah, right. 
Love it. What's your dream vacation? You, the family, where, where, where can you, where do you want to go? Oh, that's great. God, if I could take the travel part out, I don't know if you, if you, when you have little kids, yeah. travel is, it's, <laughs> it's not actually a vacation when you go, Oh God. but, um, I like, uh, somewhere sunny with, you know, beaches where we're enjoying good food and good time with the family. So I like Hawaii quite a bit. We don't go and do a lot of stuff. We just kind of hang out and really it's just about hanging out with my kids. Now, if it was just my wife and I, that's different. I like adventures with just her. We, we like to go places, not have tons of plans and try and do something different and, and new every day. But with kids, it's like, I like a stable location and then just hang out with the kids. You know? A stable location is the best way of putting it for when it comes to being a parent, for sure. It's like, uh, yeah, just get settled. Is there, do you have a favorite island in Hawaii? What's your favorite location? Hawaii. The, Love Kauai. Kauai, okay. Yeah, it's got the, the I like the, the jungle. They've got great hiking. You still can find great beaches. It's not as busy or touristy. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's by far, it's the one I always go back to. Awesome. Do you think we're better or worse off with social media? God. Uh, You know, I struggle. I go back and forth with this. I think we're, we're still at the worst stage, but I think at some point it'll get better. Social media is a double-edged sword. You know, it's, I just figured this out for myself. Okay. I'm, I'm a, you know, middle-aged man who's self-aware or tries to be self-aware about my health. And I just figured this out. I went through the whole, like addicted to it, to turning it off, to wait a minute, I could make this algorithm serve me. So what I did is I went on social media, unfollowed stuff that really isn't great for me, followed pages that I thought I'd benefit from and liked things and commented on things I liked. And now my feed is like family stuff, mental health stuff, you know, raising kids stuff. And so now it's a wonderful tool. Mm. So it can be terrible or it can be great. Like you could compare yourself to other people. You could constantly be on guard by reading every scary article. You could be reading stuff that just makes you hate people who don't think like you more and more, or you could consciously change it so that your feed uh, is something that's positive. Mm. That's making you grow, but it's gotta be a conscious thing. Cause they're really good at hacking into your impulsive animal brain. Mm -hmm. So I still think we're on the bad end, but I think at some point I'm hoping just like today, do you know how long it's taken for people to say, Oh, heavily processed food. That's probably the main reason why we have obesity, not carbs, not sugar, not fat, but just these foods that are engineered to make you overeat. It's taken decades, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm hoping that that process happens a lot faster with social media, but we'll see. Yeah. Great answer. What's your favorite restaurant in the world? And when you're there, what do you order? Oh, well, because of my, because I got little kids. Uh, <laughs> stable location, you know, stable location. Yeah. Yeah. So with my kids, you know, I like, there's a, there's this chain out here called Pollo Loco. And Pollo Loco? Yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, it's, it's just chicken, like chicken, <laughs> rice, you know, I can eat relatively healthy. I'm not feeding my kids like terrible food. So, and it's not like so fancy that, you know, like I'm embarrassed because my kids are screaming or whatever. (laughs) So, you know, that's a good place with my wife. If it's just my wife and I, there's a restaurant out here in, in San Jose called B it's spelled B E and then Steka S T E K A. It's a really nice restaurant. Really, really good steak, 
really good food and really good steak. It's a fun experience. Uh, so that's, that's, if it's just my wife and I, that's why I typically will take her. I love it. You're the first person on the podcast that said El Pollo Loco, which I just, I love that. All around. <laughs> yeah. well, it's, I, I, there's, there's locations I can find when I'm out and I got little kids that are going to throw shit everywhere. So <laughs> pragmatic, they can mess things up yes. and leave. It's no big deal. Yeah. And it's relatively healthy, I right? It's it. not big deal, so. <laughs> What's a book that you've read in the past year? It could be fiction, nonfiction that got you thinking in a, in a fresh new way. Oh boy. You know, there's a book that I've read a few times that I go back to. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to mention, uh, Eckhart Tolle, mm-hmm. a new earth. Yes. Yes. Uh, highly recommend it. It's, you know, if, if you're open to it, you get in there and you really learn about being present. Uh, you learn about kind of bettering yourself. It's got some spiritual undertones, but it doesn't, hammer that into you. So for many, you can come from any walk of life. I think it'll apply. And that's a book that I, I tend to go back to. So yeah, dude, I, it's the same answer for me. I, it's one of the only books that I go back to and I've now I'll even listened to the audible because his voice is very yes. calming. Yes. Yeah. No, my wife and I listened to it to get, so I, I, I met my wife, uh, eight years ago. She introduced it to me we listened together and it was like mind blown. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's one of those ones that we revisit and we'll listen to segments, you know, at a time. Yeah. It is like a meditation in and of itself. All right, my friend, where can people go to learn about your work, listen to the podcast, get your book? Where do they go? So the book is the resistance training revolution. So I, I kind of break down, you know, just how, if you're only going to work out a couple of days a week, this is how you should do it. I do talk about nutrition in, this, in there in, as well, but it's more along the lines of how to develop a better relationship with uh, nutrition. So you can find that anywhere. The podcast is Mind Pump. You'll find that on any platform, including YouTube. So you can find us on YouTube. We also film the show so you can see uh, and listen. And then on Instagram, I'm Mind Pump DiStefano. My last name is D-I-S-T-E-F-A-N-O. And then Mind Pump before that. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Come back anytime. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.